Wherever you are right now, would you just take a moment and stop and just focus in on the Lord? Wherever you're watching, would you just close your eyes and would you just pray along with me right now and just say, Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord, everything that Easter Sunday represents. And God, we praise you right now for it. And we just pray that you would come and you would uh, draw us closer to you in this time, Lord, that your presence would be with each one of us watching online. God, that you would draw us closer to you right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, well, I'm so glad that you've joined us today as we celebrate Easter in this unprecedented time. You know, we might not can meet together in person, uh, but that's not gonna keep us from celebrating everything that Christ has done. You know, to a lot of people in our culture, Easter is all about uh, the Easter bunny, Easter baskets, Easter egg hunts, and all of these things. But I'm telling you, the true reason for Easter is because Christ resurrected. He rose from the grave in victory over death, hell, and sin. And today, we're going to celebrate that. And so if, if you've heard the story of, of Christ and the cross a thousand times, man, I believe that there's going to be something here for you. And even if you've never heard before, man, I want to encourage you today. Man, this, uh, this should uh, be life-giving to you. Uh, but I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to hang our hat there uh, in our text today as we discuss the five miracles of Calvary. And so uh, when you turn to this chapter, um, man, a lot has already taken place. Judas has already betrayed Jesus after the Last Supper. Uh, The Jewish religious leaders have already devised a plan to kill Jesus because they were jealous of of his ministries, the miracles that accompanied it, and the following that that he had gained. And, And they did not have the authority to place a death sentence on Christ. And so they plotted a way to kill him. And so what they did, they brought Jesus before the political leaders of the time, a man named Pontius Pilate, and and they accused him of refusing to pay taxes to Caesar, teaching his followers not to pay taxes uh, to Caesar, and also framed him as an insurrectionist, pretending that he was trying to lead a revolt to to overthrow Rome. And we actually see that Christ taught the opposite uh, of this and and throughout many of uh, his teachings in the Gospels. But I want you to look in in Luke chapter 23, Pilate and Herod both interrogated Christ and they saw that he was innocent. But this is what happens in verse 22. It says, a third time he said to them, Pilate is saying to the crowd, why do you want to crucify him? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And so even though he found Jesus to be innocent, Pilate sentenced Christ to be crucified at the demands of the people. And so in Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 27, it says, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. They gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. They spit on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away 
to crucify him. And you probably know the rest of this story. They, they forced Jesus to carry his cross to the hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And once they were there, they drove nails through his hands, pinning his hands and his feet to the cross. They, they lifted the cross into place for him to die one of the most agonizing deaths possible. An innocent man left to die on the cross, hanging between two criminals. And although uh, the crucifixion was typical within a Roman culture, this time was no ordinary crucifixion. And we see in Matthew chapter 27, looking at verse 45, the first miracle of Calvary, it's the miracle of darkness. Look with me, it says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma shabbatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the moment Christ is being crucified, there were three hours of darkness from about 12 until three o'clock. You know, isn't it ironic that the world goes dark while the light of the world is hanging on the cross? This darkness wasn't caused by an eclipse or a storm. This was a supernatural occurrence as God turned his face away from his son. We see this to be true in Isaiah 53, verses four through six. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Up to this point of, of darkness, everything had been about the, the physical torment and brutality of the cross, but darkness came when Christ entered into a new position of the heart as he began to atone on the cross, as he began to atone for our sins on the cross. In the three hours of darkness, the sins of the world were placed upon him. Uh, even our sins and our mistakes were placed upon Christ, the one who came to be the propitiation for the world, to appease the wrath of God and take away our sins. Christ took upon himself our sin, our wickedness, and our shame to pay the price that we couldn't pay. It's the first miracle of Calvary. It's the miracle of darkness. The second miracle of Calvary is revealed in verses 47 through 51. It's the miracle of the torn curtain. It says, and some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. He yielded up his spirit and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Upon Christ's death, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. In the Jewish temple, there was a special place where the presence of God would reside, and it was called the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God, and he was only allowed to do so once per year. 
this large curtain separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And it's a picture of our sin that separates us from God. But as Christ took his last breath upon the cross, he paid the price for our sin, ripping the curtain in two. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death and Christ died for our sin. It was like God preached a sermon without using words at all and tearing the temple curtain declared that the sin that once separated us from God was no longer there. Our issue had been dealt with and now all were welcome to come into the presence of God. The relationship that had been lost is now restored. And because of his sacrifice, we can come before God and rest in his presence. Because of what Christ did, we get to have moments with the God of all creation. This is something that we all to some degree probably take for granted. We have the opportunity not only to have moments with God, but we can now live in the presence of God. I'm so thankful that Christ tore the veil. I'm so thankful that I get to come before God and worship and, and spend time with him in communion and have a real relationship with him. And I wanna challenge you even today as you hear this, recognize this, this tearing of the veil that Christ accomplished on the cross and begin to, to live in God's presence every single day. Don't take it for granted. It's the second miracle of Calvary it's the miracle of the torn veil. The third is the miracle of the earthquake. This is revealed in Matthew 27, verse 51. It says, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. It's as if the foundations of the world began to shake at the very moment that Christ died. The whole earth quaked in response to the death of Christ. He who was there before creation began and he who is the only firm foundation. It appears that even the rocks were crying out in praise for what God had, had accomplished on the cross. The apostle Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. God placed all of creation upon the shoulders of Christ, the chief cornerstone, the foundation of our world. You know, Mount Sinai trembled when the law was given to Moses in Exodus 19.18, and the earth trembled once again at the death of Christ as he fulfilled the law. The law brought condemnation. It reminds us of our sin and it lacked the power to save. But Christ came to fulfill the law in order to save those of us that were condemned. The curse that had rested upon earth since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden had been broken. And now those who choose to believe in and follow Christ are forgiven forever and receive his righteousness. The whole earth shook in the glory of our Savior. It's the third miracle of Calvary. It's the miracle of the earthquake. The fourth is the miracle of new life. It's verses 52 and 53. It says, the tombs also were open. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. During the earthquake, rocks were split and many tombs were open. 
This happened on Friday and the tombs remained open during the Sabbath, but on Sunday morning, Christ's tomb was empty. He had risen in glorious victory and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Christ himself spoke in Revelation 1.18, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death in Hades. Christ went and took back what the enemy had stolen. The enemy had come to bring death, but Christ came to bring new life. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57 says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ didn't conquer sin and death, so he alone could walk away in victory. Christ took the keys to death and hell. So all who would believe in him would rise again and have everlasting life. On Sunday morning, friends, Christ wasn't the only one who raised back to life, but many saints were raised alongside him. And they went into the city proclaiming the glory of God. Christ conquered death and the grave, not only for himself, but also for any that would choose to follow him. And lastly, I wanna share with you perhaps the greatest miracle of Calvary, and it's revealed in verse 54. It says, when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. And so after the soldiers had crucified Christ, they had seen everything that had taken place. They saw the earth respond and in darkness, they saw the temple curtain torn. They felt the earth quake beneath their feet. They saw the saints rise from the dead and they realized what they had done. They came to believe in Christ that he was the son of God. And this, I believe, is the greatest miracle of Calvary. It's the fifth miracle, the miracle of a changed heart. And it's the reason Christ endured such torment and brutality so that those who were lost and dead in their sin could come to know him and find freedom. Yes, Christ even desired to extend grace and mercy to the soldiers who had just murdered him. And I'll tell you this, if you're watching today, man, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much shame and guilt you carry. There is forgiveness for you at the cross of Christ. Christ went through all of this so that we would come to trust in him. And I've been praying that God would perform the miracle of a changed heart this Easter. If you are a believer, man, I've been praying that God would soften your heart and help you find a greater appreciation and gratitude for what Christ has done for us. Not just today on Easter as we celebrate on Easter Sunday, but that this would be something that we would live out every single day, that we would desire to seek him in a greater way. We would, we would desire to thank him and worship him and, and spend time with him. Lord, that we would live in, in his presence. Man, would, would that be our heart cry today out of this message that we would have a greater appreciation for Christ, that he would change our hearts today. But if you're here and you know that you haven't made Christ your Lord and Savior. And I've been praying that God would change your heart and that you would choose to follow him today. If that's you and you know that you haven't truly submitted your life to him and you wanna make that decision today, 
I want to pray with you in just a moment. And I believe God is tugging on some people's hearts online. Maybe you know about Christ. You know that he loves you. You might, might even know that he died on the cross for your sins, but you know that you haven't truly made him the Lord and savior of your life. You haven't truly begun to, to follow after him. And today, that is, is what today is all about. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. That's what the, the miracle of a changed heart is all about, that we would come to know Christ and recognize who he is, the son of God, and we would begin to follow him, that our sins would be forgiven, that we would have the promise of, of eternal life that God would change our life and that those of us who are lost and dead in sin would get to receive Christ's forgiveness and redemption and that he would pay the price that we couldn't pay for our sin. And today, if you wanna make that decision to follow Christ, I wanna say a simple prayer with you. Wherever you are, man, God can meet you right now. And so I want you to repeat after me, and just close your eyes for a moment and say, Lord, I recognize my issue with sin. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I fall short and make mistakes every single day. And I believe Christ died on the cross for my sin. And not only did he die on the cross for my sin, but three days later, he rose again in victory over death, hell, and the grave. And today I want to confess that he is the Lord and savior of my life. And so Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to shape me, to change me, and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, hey, I am so happy that you tuned in to celebrate Easter with us today. I pray that you would take a few moments and, and spend time with the Lord. Thank him for everything that he's done, not just now, but even today before you go to bed. Spend some time with the Lord. Praise him because he has changed our world. He's changed our lives. I pray that you have a blessed day. If you made a decision to follow Christ, I wanna encourage you, please uh, drop a comment on one of our social media or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram and we're gonna have someone reach out to you that can help you uh, just kind of show you how uh, to walk out your new found faith in Christ. And so if, uh, if you made that decision, please message us so we can reach out to you. But we pray that you have a blessed Easter. Easter. God bless you.